Uh, if you have a, a Bible or a Bible on the pew, you can turn to John chapter 10. Our scripture today comes from John 10, 1 through 15, the story of the Good Shepherd. Jesus says, I assure you that whoever doesn't enter into the sheep pen through the gate but climbs over the wall is a thief and an outlaw. The one who enters through the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The guard at the gate opens the gate for them and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he has gathered all of his sheep, he goes before them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but will run away because they don't know the stranger's voice. Those who heard Jesus uh, use this analogy didn't understand what he was saying. (laughs) I love those notes, right? So Jesus spoke again. He said, I assure you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they could have life indeed, so that they could live life to the fullest. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When the hired hand sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. That's because he isn't the shepherd. The sheep aren't really his. So the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. He's only a hired hand and the sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I give up my life for the sheep. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this word that is amazing good news. Uh, Open it up to us. Actually, open us up to it. Um, Open our hearts and our minds and our imaginations uh, to what you're speaking. And we pray all this... In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, I confess that I'm probably the second um, best Breslin to be telling this story. I'm probably actually, in all truth, way further down the depth chart than second. Um, But I'll tell you the best storyteller of this story is Noah, who you guys always see make such an entrance and exit and re-entrance and re-exits on Sundays. I got the chance, and if this reads as an extended commercial for Godly Play, I don't apologize for that. Uh, Hopefully uh, it it will act as that, but I got the chance about a month ago to switch spots with Meg. She got to come up here and she spoke with power and vulnerability, and I got to go and be a lowly doorman door person, and there's there's no mere door person. That's a big task. It's just really easy, and you can't mess it up, right? But I could not believe how surprised and how impacted, how impressed I was by the chance to get preached to 
through the Holy Spirit speaking through the storytelling of a five-year-old, of a story that I've heard about a hundred times, right? She, and I've seen James Hoffman do this too, and he's even younger than her. They, they slowly and very deliberately move the figures around this fenced-in green half circle, like turf half circle, slowly and deliberately, telling the story with the sort of care in detail that uh, Ashley Brown was in there that day and she was technically the storyteller, but we were like dabbing our eyes and like literally holding our breath to see how the story was gonna happen, even though we knew the story, right? Um, a few emphases that Noah told of this story that when I was reading this text, uh, the, this, is, this is what this says. You know, I, I learned from her her godly play telling is that first she told the grown-ups about this shepherd, the shepherd who calls his sheep, whose voice echoes through unsafe places, just echoes into these places that they've put themselves or that they've been put or places that didn't seem so unsafe when they started wandering out and then it started to get late <laughs> and it all of a sudden got unsafe or the storm rolled in and it got unsafe. Places where you started close to the shepherd and slowly but surely wandered away and when you looked up, it was like being a kid at the grocery store when you, when you were little and all of a sudden, where's, where's mom? <laughs> I'm in trouble. The shepherd's voice calls out to his sheep. The second thing I remember from Noah's story that the shepherd not only calls out, but the shepherd goes out. Jesus tells this story in John's gospel, right after he tells the story of the man born blind. And this, this was a man who was already, by virtue of his, his deficit or his disability, uh, in the margins. And then he was cast further into the margins by the very people that, that were supposed to be shepherds. <laughs> the, the very people who were supposed to be calling out and going out. And so this shepherd's story had to be a, like a thumb in the eye to these religious elite leaders, right? They were charged with the task and honor and responsibility of protecting Israel's vulnerable, which is all of Israel. And they no doubt failed to live up to that vocation. They didn't hear that calling. They weren't formed in the image of the shepherd par excellence that even in the Old Testament they knew was God. God was their savior and their shepherd. Like, if you get a chance, read the like singeing words of Ezekiel 34, um, and they're meant to be this. They say, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of a flock? It says, no, but you eat the curds, you clothe yourself with wool, you slaughter the choice animals, and you don't take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. That's what a shepherd is. Perhaps, perhaps we're being a little too hard on them and their, their, their problem 
was not that they were lazy or, or necessarily disobedient, but they didn't maybe realize or come to grips with the fact that, that these margins existed around them. I think we all kind of do that, right? Like we, we, we go to great lengths to try to, um, to, try to close off margins or, or don't look at them or don't understand them. And I think it's unfortunate, but I think it's an unfortunate fact that every community has its margins. That's just like the geography of community, <laughs> whether that's, you know, uh, local community. And Durham, like for all its growth and like restoration and renewal, sometimes we hope against these margins, but these margins very much exist. We close our eyes to them and, and we don't understand them. Like these margins exist in the communities of our families. These margins exist in the communities of our uh, church, our neighborhoods. But for as unfortunate as it is that every community has margins and as unfortunate as that feels if you're one of those in the margins, the good news is that there is one community, like one singular community with no margins. The community of, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No margins. No outcast in that intimate community of overflowing love. Unfortunately, the person in the work of any good shepherd is to go out, to call out and to go out on a mission to seek and to save and to put that marginless community right in the margins. Like that's the Jesus story. It's to put a marginless community in the margins. That's why Jesus was born <laughs> a refugee in a manger. That's why Jesus lived in a place that when he entered into his public ministry, they said, Nazareth? Nothing good can come from those marginal community of Nazareth. That's why he, he included people in his ministry. Like Stephanie will, will preach next week on the, the Samaritan, uh, Samarian woman at the well. That's why Jesus died in the margins on Golgotha in this place of unbelievable abandon and loneliness. And he was, he was a death row prisoner. And that's why the resurrected Jesus calls his, his followers, his people who would share in this overflowing new life to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to the ends of the earth, to the margins. The third part of Noah's telling was that this parable ends with a feast, and this isn't automatic from from this passage, but it, it really is the picture of a shepherd that we get throughout Scripture. It's a feast that includes, in the godly play lesson, that includes sheep and people of every shape and skin tone and specifically every clothing type. There's, like, people with, like, big winter coats and, and like, tropical attire, uh, every culture. And they're feeding around the table of the shepherd. They're finding not only safety and sustenance, like Mas Maslow's hierarchy of needs type stuff, but they're finding life, abundant life. Life that doesn't end but starts now. And that's happening, I mean, that's, 
go, go back this week and read through John and see every time life is mentioned in John. Abundant life. From him was life, and the life was the light of all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that anyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. I'm the resurrection and the life. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and the Jesus in whom you've sent. That you might believe and in believing have life. It's this good shepherd that serves up life. Not as a hired hand, not as an afterthought, because, but because that's who he is. And then that's who we are. I think that's the best part of that song that we just sang is the reflexiveness of because of who you are, that's who we are. Lastly, this morning, I was texting with a friend of mine who owns and runs a small farm in Indiana. And um, I was trying to really gather some insight on how not to commit like minor like agrarian and theological heresy when talking about sheep because I don't own sheep at the moment. Um, he warned me, and I think this is great. He warned me, don't harp on how dumb sheep are. You've probably heard that sermon a couple times. So don't harp on how dumb sheep are, but on how good the shepherd is. He might have been biased because he has sheep, right? Uh, it might have been his own plug. But uh, he said from reading his Bible and from his firsthand experience, that sheep are indeed dumb. <laughs> but perhaps, the thing is, perhaps some of you have been like treated this way by shepherds, and that's very wounding, that like you're the dumb one, and you shall be restored by the shepherd. And I'm sorry for that. But I think the point is, is not mine or your dumbness or lostness even, but it's the particular care, the like custom knowledge, and the amazing attention of a calling, searching, healing, feeding, refolding shepherd. And that's what this is about. It's not, it's not even about us and our lack. It's about him and his abundance.